you just can't forget the little guy. Right. And I think that that's part of what, I mean, and I understand where you're coming from, Shahid, about, you know, is there some sort of sanction or, or economic, you know, pressure we can apply in different, in different ways. Um, and, and Mona Lisa was starting to touch on it too, about how, you know, I think even when we look at sanctions internationally, right? So, you know, like the United States wants to, you know, say it's going to, oh, we're going to sanction Russia. We're going to sanction all these, you know, all these countries. But what ends up happening a lot of the times, and, and I'm not saying that that's like, you know, a one formula and this is, this is what happens. But what happens a lot of the time is that it's the, it's the normal everyday people who, who end up suffering from those, from those actions. Um, even though it's really not their fault, or maybe they don't even want to be a party to what their government is doing. Oh, right. No. Yeah, not at all. Yeah, you want to get in? In the, in the international context, we talk about sanctions impacting civilian populations, particularly because they restrain things like fuel supplies or food. When we talk about here, like blue states boycotting red states, I'm thinking about, remember when North Carolina passed the bathroom bill? Yeah. To basically, it was like an anti-trans measure, and blue states started saying, we're not going to contract with companies that were based in this state. We're not going to go to conferences that are based in the state. Artists started pulling out of concerts that were based there. That's the kind of boycott we're talking about. This isn't like sanctions targeting yeah. civilian populations. Right, 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 right. These right. are, just let me finish, Dave. This is about states acting in solidarity with refugees within the United States. What, what we're talking about here is that women, girls, non-binary folks, trans folks in half the country are about to lose their rights. And the only way they can gain them back is if blue states force their state governments to heed their rights. And ultimately, the way we do that is by threatening the interstate commerce that is the only thing that Washington cares about. That's the path to intimidating the court. Right, hitting him in the wallet. <laughs> yeah, no, you got to hit him where it hurts. And honestly, doing that would come through for the underdog is what I'm saying is like when people are misrepresented, you really have to. We don't really have checks and balances in this country. They say that we do, but we don't. It's um, it's capitalism. It's yeah, yeah. It gets a it yeah. It overshadows every you know Everything. the the yeah. the democratic ideal. Um, yeah, Dave. I'm going to run out a bit, but there's something I'd like to say. Okay, it's called bringing it all back home. All right. Now I know the folks in Austin and Texas like us there there's a big community, community of people we reach out to austin let them know that we're here they're welcome to come to san francisco and also if if if, if the abortion thing falls uh san francisco becoming a place where women feel free to come and be taken good care of and be among friends so it's i want to end i'm getting worn out the Among Friends portion of it. Here we are, the three of us, four of us, five of us, and uh, Mac Gonzalez. Here we were, let's, let's get together, every, if you can now, every couple of weeks, bring people in. Uh, Shahid's gonna bring the other guy, people running running against Nancy Pelosi together. He's gonna bring them in, that our next one. And every couple of weeks, we like to get together here and uh, bring people in to begin to organize politically right here. Everything you say is true. Everything that, that Mona Lisa says is true, is true. We gotta bring us together in a real way and move from the abstract to the, to the, from the abstract to the collective, from the abstract to get home, get right down here at home, but we can do it. 
we can do it here in Mutiny Radio. And so now, if every couple, if you can arrange for every couple of weeks, we get together as a uh, politically and do it live it on the air and podcast it. I think it will be a real. I'd reach out to like KPO, KPU, um, a station I had a lot to do with uh, being on there now many years ago. And reach out to KPU and really make something happen. We can complain about the media all we like, but we can become a media. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we've been we've been uh, putting out our own messages and, and opening our own forums here at Mutiny Radio for a long time. And I remember when Shahid ran the first time, and we had an, the, all the other co- congressional um, candidates who were running against Nancy Pelosi. We had a forum right here in Mutiny Radio. Um, you know, from the Green Party, from the Peace and Freedom Party, from like there were there were I, pro- I think there were probably like four or five. Candidates, right? When every Democratic organization in this city failed to host that forum, Mutiny Radio did it. That's right. And the, so so this is, to your point, Dave, right? This is a, a great place to have conversation and, and, as you like to say, to be continued. So in a couple of weeks, let's get together again and uh, talk about where we go from here. I think, Shahid, you said you'd invite the other candidates running against Nancy Pelosi to come and cut it up and see after the primary how you can continue to support one another. How's that? Right on. Let's do it. All right. Well, thank thank you, Dave. I'm so glad you were able to come out tonight. Thank you, Barbara, for bringing Dave out to Mutiny Radio. It's like a second home for Dave, for sure, and and for me, too. So um, it's been a a special conversation having you part of all of this, Dave. Um, We're still cooking. We're still going along. I know we have EK here. She's got a little magical notebook there to share us uh, some poetry. And Sadie's still here to share some more uh, views and potentially some piano music. Um, And I'm sure there's a a lot bit more that's going to shake down. So EK Keith, welcome. Hey, Val. It's nice to see you. It's nice to be at Mutiny Radio. It's been a little while. Um, I... I've been writing a lot lately. I did 30 poems in 30 days as usual because it's a thing that I do in April. Um, And yeah, for National Poetry Month. And I am also deeply concerned about the world as it currently is. Um, And so here's, I've just got three pieces, I think. That, that kind of take it from the political to the personal. Why does everything in the world seem so much worse when I've spent my life leaving things better than I found them? The nerve pinches, the arm goes numb. That's the poem. <laughs> Thanks, y'all. So this one, this is definitely a Poetry Month poem from April 6th. Are you writing a poem? It always surprises me when someone asks the right question. So I said, yes, and I discovered and recovered a feeling of satisfaction in having been seen. (laughs) The observer being observed, writing a poem, in the parking lot at school. <laughs> nice. <laughs> it re- it really happened. Good things are happening, folks. This isn't all dire news it, here it's tonight. It's not. It's not all dire. 
And and so, you know, I feel like it is connections that are going to be what, like deep, real connections among people that are going to be what uh, gets us all through like a really crazy time that we're living in. And um, so here's Brent. Friends are planets with shifting orbits. For years, we orbit close, so tight, and then things change. Marriages, babies, new jobs, and the orbit widens. And for me, friends are always welcome to spin my way, sometimes faster, sometimes years go by. But then, there they are. (laughs) (laughs) And... Thanks for having me on the show, y'all. This is really fun. Yeah, and here we are, these friends at Mutiny Radio. We talk about doing this regularly. And you will keep that in mind as far as your poetry and uh, doing this regularly to cut it up and see how we can not only complain about the system, the way things are, but make it better starting right here on a regular basis on Mutiny Radio. And here we have Barbara Bennett. What do you say, Barbara? I think that sounds like a good idea and just communicate with people that you know when it comes up in conversation and actually uh, engage in that dialogue for sure and make it happen. It can be powerful. We have Matt Gonzalez here who still is a political figure of some import who uh, legitimizes legitimizes and I'll, I'll explain that in a minute, but I won't have to. Legitimize is what we're doing, which now is to get together every couple of weeks to look at the political situation. We got, uh, and Mona Lisa, we have your Jaheed, who's running against Nancy Pelosi. Could he have your support, do you think? Uh, you want to get to know him? You want to, want to figure out a way in which you guys can get together? Hey, uh, where is he? Shahid. Shahid. Shahid's right here. Shahid, we get together with uh, Mona Lisa. And uh, find a common thread. Yeah, always thrilled to connect with any advocates. And I learned a lot from her this evening. And yeah, I look forward to connecting with you. Susan. Yeah, always is too broad. We get a time to do it. A kind of get together on the air here would be a good one. Maybe more at least the next time you can come in or call in and we'll continue this. Yeah, to, and that's what's to, on a regular time, on a regular basis. To be continued. To, uh, Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you, Dave, and thank you for all your community organizing that you've been a part of all these years. And, um, you know, as Shah had said, you know, you've been a big part of, like, our poetry community and our political community. And just the fact that we get to have this show here um, uh, at all um, is definitely uh, due to your, um, as Calvin Welch said, political pollinating. So I appreciate you and I appreciate all these all the voices here tonight. Um, so I, 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 I think, uh, is any, I would love to invite Calvin Wells to come down and cut it out. That's a good first step. What do you think, Mona Lisa? Can you, can we count you in? Love it. Love Love you guys. (laughs) Love you too, Mona Lisa. Thank you so much. Thank you. Happy Mother's Day. Same to you. Happy Mother's Day. All right. Well, I, I I think if there's any more um, open mic portion factor that wanted, were you going to play a little piano? Sadie's going to go out there and tickle the keys of Mutiny Radio a little bit. Um, maybe sing a little bit. Uh, she's got the, I think she's got one out there. Um, 
Yeah. While that's transitioning, I just want to thank you for bringing me on in this dialogue. Such an honor to be with Matt and you and Dave and to hear from Mona Lisa and have this exchange. I'm certainly eager to come back whenever you guys have space for me. Wonderful, Shahid. And thank you. I know that you've sacrificed a lot to put yourself into this race time and again. Um, and I want to appreciate your, I know that you've been community organizing for a long time. You've been out in the streets, you know, protesting against wars for the past 20 20 how long has it been 20 years at least more um you know and part of occupy and and part of so and so many things in 16th and mission poetry right which is um you know it's kind of like uh it's you know the political is personal the personal is political poetry um you know being out in the streets and and exercising our first amendment rights to free speech um to peaceful assembly um and and trying to protect you know um, people's rights across the board. And I do believe that we do need a new generation of leadership, both locally and in Congress. And so um, that's why I'm happy to, in, you know, endorse you for, for what that's worth, but also to make sure that you get some sort of platform that I know that the mainstream media is blocking. Um, and it, I know that very well, I, you know, being with media at the public defender's office, there was a hearing this week at the board of supervisors, um, government and audits oversight committee, where they looked at the amount of money, uh, that is spent on this SFPD's strategic communications division. Propaganda by local authorities. Absolutely. And like, you know, oh, we sit, we talk about this type of crime, but not this type of crime. We talk about our reform efforts, but not our, our shortcomings. And um, I, I like to laugh at it because there are nine of them and one of me. But, um, but uh, you know, it's, it's a really it, the imbalance of who gets to influence mainstream media is a very real, um, very real and very consequential, um, you know, thing, um, for lack of a better word. Um, you know, and so I know that you know, mainstream media blocking your name, like not even like talking to you, right? It's insulting and it, and it, and it doesn't. But not to me, to voters. To voters, yeah. it's right. It's, it's insulting to the, the, the free press that's supposed to be like our, you know, our fourth estate, right? Um, who, you know, to act as, you know, a check on government and nobody in the mainstream media is, well, at least our local mainstream media, Fox News is not news, but you know, like no one else is putting a check on Nancy Pelosi. And so I want to encourage fellow journalists, newsmakers um, to uh, show up for work. Yeah, really like do the work and, and show that there's a real race going on um, for this very, very important congressional seat. And I think there's a, there's a miss uh, people have the wrong idea. They don't, you know, when they say that when we're like, oh, Shahid's running against Nancy Pelosi, they're like, oh, but she's the Speaker of the House. Like, he's going to be the Speaker of the House. No, that's not how it works. It just means replacing her in Congress and then someone else will be named Speaker of the House. It's a much bigger deal. It's not it's not just like an, it's not like take one shoe off and put the other one on. Right. This is just about changing the power dynamic, bringing the voice of, um, you know, what what San Franciscans really care about into Congress, which has been missing for a very long time in, 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 a, in a meaningful way. So let's go on. Let's 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 have Sadie play us some. Uh, let us have Sadie play us some piano. Well, I want to leave, uh, but I want to say. Go. Go for it, Sadie. Thank you. 
Beautiful. Thank you, Sadie. Wonderful. Wonderful, wonderful. Ah, we needed that. <laughs> we needed that after all of all of the heavy uh heavy feelings we get when we talk about politics, which we all invariably care so much about because it impacts our lives. And if I, you know, didn't have to pay attention to it, I probably wouldn't. But you know, I'm kind of a civics nerd. Um, anyhow, but uh, it turns out that we live in very interesting times. So um, <laughs> with that said, um, I think I'm going to read a poem. And uh, I don't know where it's going to go because I don't remember writing it. Um, that's how poetry comes to me sometimes. Right, right. It's like flip the thing, flip the notebook open and be like, wow, what's this? Um but I, just reading the first couple lines, I think, um, fits into our conversation today, uh, especially the national conversation this week. So we'll see where it goes from there. Women of lore are reduced to ghosts. Leagues of leaders, caretakers, healers replaced in the name and worship by medieval men, hell-bent on pretending to save our souls dismissing our spirits, the ancient home and the company and the care of women and their feral hair washed them away from his story, lost sight of the mystery and instead molded men into a fake, a false prophet, moral authority, discounting the order of peace and revelry, cash in on those old cartoon ruins dancing on caves because they never could bear to look directly without succumbing to an inflated bravery. Settle down, say the soothing arms of Kurukula. There are more methods to protect. No winner take all. Many fish in the net, woven by women, tended by the capable, overworked as usual, thanked with contempt, forgotten with intent. Mm. Yeah, wow. Wow, yeah, I really don't remember writing that. <laughs> it was not too long ago. It's, it like rang like a little bit of a bell. Sometimes what I'll do is I'll write stuff right when I wake up or oh, yeah. or like right before I go to bed. Yep. So those are kind of those somewhat dream states that, you know, and then I completely forget that those that they took place and then open my notebook. I'm like, oh, yeah, I wrote that. It's like your subconscious mind speaking to your... Yeah, it's it's the art that... that, that that flows, right? It's, a, it's that one. muse. You've got one? Yeah. All right. Nice. When I was small with big brown eyes behind two more, I saw the universe. Ever expanding behind windows, globes, and infinite mirrors. Before me, there was eternity. When I go, there will also be. 
Patterns everywhere, cycling through, glass reflections in my mind, observing pain and suffering beginning to the end of time. All the kids with big brown eyes know more than they could ever say. Wow. Fantastic. So proud of you, Sadie. Thanks. <laughs> Sadie's my cousin. That's why I'm so, that's why I could say that. <laughs> so proud of you. <laughs> no, it's really it's really amazing to have your voice here and and you here in San Francisco oh, and yeah. um spreading the word and uh and being, you know, an engaged uh an active person and young youth. person in your in your yeah. Yeah, the and youth these days. Yeah, youths. All these great youths. Um, so we got a few more minutes. Okay, Hi. <laughs> okay, Dave's back. Dave's back. And for Shahid, first I wanted to say, Shahid, this is the first day of the rest of your life and the rest of our life, and how it is that we can get together and we're going to do you. As a, you as a candidate, but also as a candidate with others, we're going to be good. So my my prescription is, uh, Val, you get us together that Saturday, let's say 4 or 6, see if we have this time available on Radio Mutiny, and we'll put it out there to people. You're going to invite the other candidates for the next one, and every couple of weeks, let's get together uh, like we have today and see how we can help help you with your campaign and help your campaign help the people through uh, with us. Do you know what I mean? Thank you. You got my support. Here's a poem and pack I'll dedicate to you. And I want to thank all of us. And Val, you're going to help see to it that we can get together at 4 o'clock uh, every other Friday and, uh, to kind of cut it up and begin to build a real political community in this town. What Mona Lisa has to say is wonderful and true, but you, but you need a movement. And we'd be part of that movement. Because it's because there are other people who would be involved if they only knew. Here's the poem I went to end up with. Um, I'm old, so it's uh, I've said what run rundown I could tell. Weaving a tapestry, cast in a spell, cast away sailors on a diamond art sea, mothers cry in the southern breeze, dancing sideways down the ribbon of time, the path they had lit by the echo behind. Dancing sideways down the ribbon of time, the path had lit by the echo behind. So think about that, well, because that's what you're about. You're building a movement, but there's an echo behind other people who come before, come before you. Matt Gonzalez is a good example. And so, uh, well, here I am, and here we are. So let's make it happen, brother. Right are you for that, Val? Oh, yeah. Okay. Absolutely. I'm, I'm all about, uh, you know, engaging in these conversations and finding opportunities to do so. So we'll see what, we'll see what yeah, happens on that front. Oh. Well, let's get down to it, man. To try to get it four to six. Well, we'll work it out, Dave. We don't want to give people the false, any, you know, faulty information at the mo at, from the get-go. We'll figure it out and let people know. I do want to let people know that our friend Joan Rivard showed up, and she has a new show here at Mutiny Radio starting on Tuesday night. So, Joan, can you tell us about your show? I hope I can do it. This is going to be my very first time this coming Tuesday from uh, 4 to 6 here at Mutiny Radio. And uh, I'm going to be talking about the Rainbow Gathering and the, the movement and, and the drum circle and what's going on on Hate Street, the Hate Street News, you know, how we're trying to renew it and make it alive, more alive again. And, um, you know, I really hope I can figure out how to work the machines 
Uh, Pam is going to be there with me to hold my hand, but hopefully after the first time I'll, I'll know what I'm doing. And I'm very excited and very excited to have Diamond Dave here. He's the guy that taught uh, Bob Dylan to smoke pot, in case <laughs> nobody knows. In 1961, right. <laughs> he was just out from having Minnesota with his guitar, both of his parents wanted him to go to school, they had a store up there to go to school in Minneapolis, University of Minnesota, but instead he fell into my, my crutches, kind of. <laughs> your couch. I think he uh, fell into your couch, it, huh? It turned out that the University of Minnesota was right there in my apartment. I didn't really realize it fully, but it was in Minneapolis, Minnesota. This is 1961 or so. So let's continue, and let's support the sister, and come out. Could Jay come to your show? We have already. Yeah, so nice. So, uh, and Joan, well, do what's the what's the name of your show, Joan? Uh, Dave, well, you'll ever have that mic. It's still always free on Mutiny Radio. Always free. Uh, and I'm going to be partnering with with uh, Rachel when she comes back. She's a she's on her way to the Rainbow Gathering right now. She's doing a comedy tour, and then going to end up as a main vocalizer as a main vocalizer because there's no main vocalizers at the Rainbow Gatherings. They're all all brothers and well, sisters. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what she's doing, but uh, she, she's a rainbow sister. And she's going to the gathering early to help set up and help make everything happen. And going to run into my friend uh, Marty Hartsong. And uh, I do have a book on Amazon called Peace Drums, uh, Jesus Was a Hippie. Um, and uh, I have a website called peacedrums.org. Right so, on, Joan. I'm, I'm so happy here. that you have a show coming here on Tuesday nights, every Tuesday night from four to six. Yeah, I get to take called, over for two months. Always. Uh, and then we're gonna work together. Always free. Would you like free. us to show up? Uh, well, sure. If you Would want you to like know. it? Yeah, yeah, you could. Okay, can All we right. show up? We'll Jerry. work it out. We'll work it out. <laughs> There's so much excitement and, and interest in making things happen. I understand. I do it a lot. Uh, that's why it's hard to say no. Um, but. Um, I will say, I think it's probably about time to wrap up our show tonight. We're in the Lost Tracks era, uh, territory at Mutiny Radio. Um, not after we crossed the 8 o'clock threshold, um, we, we, we uh, fell out of so sounds from the streets. But this has been a robust, uh, insightful, inspiring, um, very cool night to spend with all of you here Um I'm just, it's its exciting to be back at Mutiny Radio after all this time. And I do look forward to more opportunities for us to come back in here. I want to thank Pam Benjamin, uh, who manages the station, um, for making space for us. And I know that there's other opportunities to do so. So we will work it out. Um, but uh, we'll, we'll, let, we'll, we'll be sure to keep people posted on our, uh, we have our Facebook page, Common Thread Collective. Um, or, or I'll post stuff as Val IB. Um, and... Uh, here we here we be, here we be. So how about some music and then we all go home? What's that sound? How's that sound? Beautiful. Yeah. All right, and don't forget to vote for Shahid on on June seventh. Shahid for change. Let's 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 go out on since we've got Joan and 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 Dave here. I think we should go out on. Um, well, this, I, I've got a I've got a good track here. I have a great live track, um, kind of combining some of my love of, of reggae and perhaps the, the San Francisco sound of Grateful Dead here. Uh, we've got a live track from Jimmy Cliff and, uh, and um, members of the Grateful Dead. Fire on the mountain, folks.
single room with three other individuals. One of them was a male and the other two, well, the other two were females. God only knows what they were up to in there. And furthermore, Susan, I wouldn't be the least bit surprised to learn that all four of them habitually smoke marijuana cigarettes. Reefers.
I want you to know right now
on the innocent dog.
or the Linda Lindas. And this first song we're going to play is called Claudia Kiesky. It's, we wrote it for a documentary on
Hey everybody, and welcome to the Weekly Review with Roman. Today it's Friday, May 28th, 2021. Thank you so much for tuning in. We're broadcasting live from Mutiny Radio. Um, that's where <laughs> we usually are. But if you're listening for the first time, thanks for tuning in. We are located in San Francisco, which is on unceded ancestral homeland of the Ramatouche Ohlone people. And for more information, please go to weeklyrev.org. And on our land acknowledgement tab, we've got a lot of links and resources and information. So again, please go to weeklyrev.org and click on the land acknowledgement tab. And coming up, we're going to play an interview I did earlier this week. And many folks who are familiar with Mutiny Radio remember Global Val hosted a show, Women's Magazine, as well as Common Thread Collective. And it was so great to, to catch up. And we talked about the San Francisco Public Defender's Office and so much more, as well as an upcoming event that's happening that's put on by the Tenderloin Museum. And folks will be able to see that as it will be an online event. So uh, we just talked about a lot of really important and interesting things. So I'll be playing that momentarily. I did want to introduce the music that we shared here. The first song was a song I heard for the first time by a band called uh, Wise Blood. And it's called Generation Y, W-H-Y. And I heard that in a film called VHS, which I'd been wanting to see and finally got to see and enjoyed immensely. Also, I want to recommend the show Hacks uh, on HBO Max. I've been enjoying that as well. So always good to plug uh, art that uh, has heart to it. And yeah, and then uh, there's a band called the Linda Lindas, and I had heard their, their Claudia Kishi song. Um, there's a documentary lives on Netflix about Claudia Kishi of the Babysitter's Club. I was a big fan of the series when I was younger. And um, so this performance, and I'll be playing uh, more songs throughout the show today, was from the LA Public Library. And this is part of Teentastic Tuesday's AAPI Heritage Month kickoff with the Linda Lindas. And this happened on May 4th of this year. And the full video is available on YouTube. And I'll be sharing some music throughout the program uh, today. So wanting to share that. And also, it's just so encouraging seeing young people uh, that there aren't out there in the world. All right, I'm going to go ahead and play this uh, <laughs> interview here. I uh, pre-recorded it. That's been one thing we've been able to do with the pandemic is, I guess we could have also done it ahead of time prior to the pandemic, but that's been something that's been helpful in terms of engaging with folks who wouldn't be able to make it into the studio otherwise or do it live. So here we go, and we'll be checking in afterwards. It's about a 32-minute interview. So, And we'll also be providing links on our page at weeklyrev.org. There'll be a post up later today with um, many of the links that we're talking about, and as well as the book that Jeff Adachi wrote, and the documentaries that he has made as well. So yeah, look for that later today. All right. <laughs> Hi, Roman. It's nice to be back on your show at Mutiny Radio. This is uh, Val Ibera, a.k.a. Global Val. Uh, many, many years of Mutiny Radio, and mm -hmm. it's a pleasure to be back on the show today in a different capacity. Um, yeah. I, I now work for the San Francisco Public Defender's Office as the public information officer, um, so I'm really proud that I laid a lot of my media foundation right there at Mutiny um, to kind of bring me to this to this uh, time and place. And so I, I wanted to thank you for inviting me on today to talk about some of the events and projects that are going on with the Public Defender's Office. Yeah, very much looking forward to that. And I thought perhaps we could also just talk about what the uh, Public Information Officer, what are you responsible for? Well, I am the liaison for press. 
And so I uh, work on press releases and press statements, and I I, I speak with reporters and um, and do a lot of the external communications mm-hmm. for our office. Um, but I also do a lot of the internal communications as well. So I, I you know keep track of who in our office has been quoted in the press uh, any given day or week. So I, I'm you know sending out weekly uh, news roundups to the whole department. Um, which is, I think, a really interesting thing that, uh, you know, I've been doing and building up to, and, and I do it, um, you know, regularly at this point in time. Uh, the pandemic has been an interesting shift. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, any way that we can all, you know, stay connected uh, is really important. And so um, I really enjoy being able to um, keep people connected within the department, even though we're not all in the building anymore. And then, uh, yeah, and, and I'm also working on a few other really interesting creative projects that we're going to talk about today. Great. Well, please um, go ahead. We can start off with the, the upcoming event um, at the Tenderloin Museum and then go from there. Cool. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, I'm glad you reached out to me about this event. Um, so on J- June 2nd at the Tenderloin Museum, um, there's going to be an event that features the um, well, kind of the life and times, but also a specific book that was written by the late public defender, Jeff Dotti, um, who was public defender for 22 years. Mm. Uh, San Francisco still wow. is the only uh, county in, in California that has an elected public defender. Mm. Um, so uh, he's you know widely regarded and respected, not only as an as a amazing attorney, but also as um, a filmmaker and a writer. Um, mm. So he was a bit of a Renaissance man. Um, and so he had written a, a book um, prior to his passing about the first public defender of San Francisco, whose name was Frank Egan. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, incidentally, this year is the 100th anniversary of the San Francisco Public Defender's Office. Mm. And so Frank Egan became public defender of San Francisco in 1921. Um, he was a former police officer, um, and he was kind of a, a, a man about town. Um, and then he ended up being uh, tried for murder, <clears throat> excuse me, murder and conspiracy. Oh, wow. Um, for the death of, of a, a woman in San Francisco. And so uh, the book that Jeff Adachi wrote is, is the, the Case of Frank Egan, mm-hmm. Murder and Scandal in the 1930s. And uh, so that book is going to be featured as part of the conversation at the Tenderloin Museum June 2nd. Oh, wow. Uh, it's, it's really interesting to me. I've read the book, and we, we had our own panel that you can find on our YouTube channel. Mm. But, um, and, and at this particular discussion on, coming up at the Tenderloin Museum, uh, it'll be a, a panel discussion with Matt Gonzalez, who's the chief attorney in our office. Um, and, uh, you know, kind of our, our resident historian, if you will, um, along with Shaku Wilson, who's a longtime um, managing attorney in our office, um, both of whom worked very, very closely with Jeff Dachi. Um, and uh, it's, it, the, the book itself is a really great read. Um, mm-hmm. He's writing it, you know, I mean, he's a defense attorney, but uh, there, there was no actual court transcript of Frank Egan's trial, mm. that that so not not none known in existence, um, but 
at the time, there were so many different newspapers in San Francisco that there was a mm. throng of reporters in court every single day kind of fighting to get the, the day's headline. Um, and so he literally had to go back and piece together the history um, from the headlines and from these articles. It, I mean, it's been written about in, in some other um, respects as well. David Talbot wrote about it in Season of the Witch, mm -hmm. um, most notably and recently. Um, but the way that Jeff Adachi tells it, it, it becomes this, this gripping read um, as the investigation unfolds and, and the theatrics of the courtroom. Um, so it's uh, it's it was pretty interesting um, that it, it happened to be um, published posthumously um, in this uh, centennial year for the office. Yeah, I thought something you mentioned early on I was just curious about was that why is San Francisco the only a city in California with an elected public defender? That is a really great question. Now, I don't know why we elect one and other counties do not. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know the history behind that, but there is a lot of conversation out there about, well, why do all district attorneys get elected? Why mm -hmm. do all sheriffs get elected? And mm -hmm. yet um, most public defenders are appointed. Right. So. They, in, in, you know, politically speaking, um, it, it's a more um, precarious position to be in if you're in an appointed position. So you might be appointed by a mayor or a, or a city council. Um, and then, you know, so therefore some of the decisions that you're making um, are, are going to get that sort of um, scrutiny mm -hmm. if you're doing things that people don't like. Um, but as, a, as an elected public defender, uh, Manel Raju is our elected public defender now, mm -hmm. um, and he's been in the office for a dozen years um, already, and uh, was kind of the natural pick um, to, to to follow Jeff Adachi. Um, but it does give our city, um, our public defender, uh, a position of um, you know just a, being able to answer to the public and having a little bit more independence. Um, you know, we have a policy unit, so we push for a lot of different local and statewide legislation, um, and, and we, and you know, therefore it gives him, you know, a little more leverage um, in, in pushing for some of the changes that we want to see to the legal system. Hmm. That's I, I didn't know any of that, so thank you for sharing that information. I have learned <laughs> so much since I've been here. Uh, I feel like I accidentally. Um, you know, jumped into law school. Mm. Um, <laughs> so uh, it's it's really quite the journey. Um, it's really inspiring as well. I bet. I bet. And yes, this upcoming event sounds really interesting, as well as the book. I was looking at the uh, link from the Tenderloin Museum that they sent. So it looks, looks very fascinating. Yeah, and, th and they've shown some of his films in the past. And, um, mm -hmm. and actually, they're going to show one of his uh, documentary shorts that evening as well. Um, and, and to kind of tie in uh, to both filmmaking and the Tenderloin, and um, we have a new program, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, an art and media initiative um, that, yeah. that our office has started called the Adachi Project. Oh, um, cool. And it's inspired by Jeff, uh, you know, and obviously named after him mm -hmm. um, because he really wanted to use film documentary film to, um, you know, to, to broaden um, 
the lens and, and let the public see kind of the ins and outs of, of the system that we don't often see. And so the Adachi project that we've started just in the past, um, we've just been working on it for the past year or so, and we've finally got a final approval, <clears throat> excuse me, by the city <clears throat> uh, back in December. Um, and, and that and that's and that's part of our goal there, which is we want to illuminate these unseen perspectives and amplify these unheard voices uh, mm -hmm. of people who are impacted the most by the criminal legal system. Yes. Uh, those who are caught up in it for one one reason or another. Mm -hmm. um, and so uh, we've we've put out three films so far, and um, the first one that we released actually is about um, a halfway house in the Tenderloin. Mm. Uh, the address of it is 111 Taylor Street. Yes. So the, the name yeah. of the film is 111 Taylor during a pandemic. So it happened to be, um, you know, we were kind of interested in, in highlighting um, the, the ins and outs of, of what it means for people who are living, uh, you know, are on parole. And it happened to be that the pandemic hit. Mm -hmm. And um, we had a couple of clients who were living at 111 Taylor, which is owned and operated by Geo Group, the multi-billion dollar oh. private prison industry, um, corporation <sighs> rather. Mm -hmm. um, so Geo Group runs 111 Taylor and um, our clients who were living there were saying, that, you know, this is scary. We don't know what's going on. Right. Um, and we have that kind of unique relationship with, with these folks because we, the rural we here, are their public defenders and they, they trust their public defender um, probably more than anybody else in the entire system. Uh, and so um, we ended up getting a camera to, to um, one of these people uh, who began recording what was going on and, and the lack of social distancing and the fact that people inside were having to uh, clean, you know, but weren't, didn't have the proper PPE. Um, mm -hmm weren't necessarily being told to wear masks or some people were not allowed to wear a mask because mm -hmm. of their parole conditions. Um, and so uh, that, that uh, so I definitely recommend, um, all of these films are available on wearedefender.com. Mm -hmm. um, what's, I mean, 111 Taylor has already had some impact. Um, there's a, there was a, another res, there was another outbreak of COVID-19 um, just this past January that was exposed by a current resident. Um, that current resident, um, or the resident at the time, um, is Keith Malik Washington, who's the mm -hmm. uh, new editor-in-chief of the Bayview. SF Bayview yeah. National Black Newspaper. So he exposed a, a new outbreak, and he, he's not our client, but um, you know, he talked to Tim Redmond at 48 Hills, told him about this outbreak. Tim Redmond called the uh, 111 Taylor they lied, they denied that there was an outbreak there. <sighs> then they had to eat their words after they showed them the document that had been posted in the center. Um, and then uh, Malik Washington's faced a lot of retaliation from mm -hmm. the uh, GEO group and the Bureau, Federal Bureau of Prisons um, that he's now suing them um, mm -hmm. uh, because of that retaliation. But our, the, our film came out right when all of that was happening, so it helped to kind of bolster his case. Yes. Um, and to show this this long, ongoing pattern of uh, neglect um, against people who are who are, you know, among the most marginalized folks in our society. Yes. Um, and during a global pandemic, when everyone deserves to be safe, 
and um, our institutions. We've seen so many um, failings of various institutions throughout this pandemic. Yeah. Um, so it was, you know, it was lending a, a glimpse into that, um, you know, against the the recklessness of the private prisons, prison uh, industry. Mm -hmm. um, but but the interesting now tie-in, I, I may be going, you know, a little bit fast and deep here. No, there's um, a lot to, to get to. So yeah, go for it. The um, one eleven Taylor, uh, the address right there, is happens to be the site of the Compton Cafeteria riot. Mm -hmm. And so there's a movement from the Transgender Cultural District of San Francisco, which is the only cult transgender cultural district in the world that, mm -hmm. that, so that, we, that I know of, or that yeah. we know of. Um, and they are trying to reclaim spaces. And so, um, so that is another kind of piece of the puzzle or, or piece of, the, of, the, uh, of what we're building um, so now our office is involved in trying to bolster that effort. Um, unfortunately, Geo Group owns that building. Um, and so it's, it, but you know, I mean, change doesn't, sometimes change happens overnight, but sometimes you push for it and, yes, um, yes. and it comes later, you know, it took about eight years to shut down uh, the jail at 850 Bryant. Yes, that happened. That's right. um, yes, yes. And we're going to close down Juvenile Hall at the end of this year. Mm -hmm. That's happening. Um, yeah, yeah. It's a good reminder. Changes afoot. Yeah, thank you for bringing that up because I think sometimes it's easy to feel uh, like it's you know constantly uh, pushing a rock uphill. Like there's like if there's so much to undo, um, mm -hmm. and at the same time, it's important to remember the victories that have happened. Right, right, and to and to keep looking at the horizon. Mm-hmm. Um, for those for those spots of light, for those openings, for those opportunities, um, it's it's stoked for us. Um, you know the need to really address what happens. I mean, we were already focused on this, but particularly now, uh, focusing on what happens to people who are when they're released from prison. Mm -hmm. um, you know, people still receive two hundred dollars in gate money, which is the same amount that they received like in the you know, 30 years ago. Um, and, you know, if you've been in prison for any amount of time that, uh, you know, you might not have clothes that you're ready to mm -hmm. walk out the door in. So, right. you know, you can buy your sweats and t-shirt out with your gate money. And by the time you're out the door, you know, you've got a hundred bucks. <laughs> what are you going to do? Far. Right. You know, so, um, so it's a, um, it's, it's a, an area we're really looking at is what happens with you know people who actually are released um, mm -hmm. and go to you know reentry places like like halfway houses, mm -hmm. um, but um, unfortunately, so many of them are now owned and operated by the private prison industry. Mm -hmm. um, but so you know, wanting to shift those kind of resources to community-based programs who actually yes. have you know the incentive and and the and their compassion rooted in the community um, right. and wanting to see what, you know, the people do their best. Yes. Um, but of course, in the private prison industry is their, you know, profits are the bottom line. Right, right. Yeah, it makes me think I've, I write to a couple of folks who are incarcerated and just hearing what was happening during the pandemic and how 
so many folks got infected and how so many people who are working there just did not, and this was in California, just did not care and how heartbreaking that is. it's like already and to being also just to be cut off from visitors from like family and also just how expensive it is to either to email or to call or to buy uh, goods at the commissary, just like soap and just things that I think a lot of us take for granted. It's just, it's so heinous, honestly. Yes, it, it is. And right now, actually, uh, this week and, and probably continuing on next week, um, there's a hearing in Marin County Superior Court mm. um, against, there, there's, a, it's three, over 300 petitioners from San Quentin mm -hmm. have filed for habeas uh, corpus. Mm -hmm. um, which you know, which is claiming Eighth Amendment uh, violations of cruel and unusual punishment, uh, deliberate indifference, on be on the uh, behalf of the state, um, California Correct Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation, and also San Quentin, um, because of the heinous transfer of 121 people from um, one prison uh, in Chino, California. Uh, last May. So at the time, uh, that prison in Chino, California Institute for Men, um, was was the coronavirus hotspot in the California mm -hmm. state prison system. And then those 121 people were transferred to San Quentin, which until that time had zero known cases of coronavirus. Um, and uh, the people were not tested, you know, right before they were, they were brought. Um, and they were Kettled together in small spaces on a bus for 11 hours, and then they weren't, um, you know, quarantined or isolated when they arrived at San Quentin. Mm -hmm. um, and then we saw the worst uh, carceral outbreak uh, last summer, uh, where over like, over 2,000 people, I think it was 2,600 people mm. at San Quentin had become infected, and mm. 28 died. And one staff member also died. And so that case is ongoing. Our office, um, along with a few other um, public defender offices and private defense offices, are, um, are participating in this hearing and representing over three, oh, these over 300 plaintiffs. Um, so if you wanted to follow what was going on there, um, mm -hmm. it's happening in Marin County Court. Uh, the link to watch is on the, the Zoom calendar okay. um, on Marin County's court, or you can look at our website on sfpublicdefender.org. Okay. And we have a, uh, a habeas page, or you can find it on our media page. Great. Thank you. Yeah, I'll be, um, we have a, a website now that uh, goes along with the, with the show, so I'll be providing the links uh, after the show goes on the air. Excellent. I'm mm -hmm. so happy to hear that you're doing, that you're, uh, doing the show. Yeah, yeah. It seems like it's evolving as well. Yes, yeah. I mean, there's there's so much. There's unlimited amounts of news and information that uh, people deserve to know. So happy to pr provide, even if it's just a, a little bit at a time. Happy to get it out there. Well, I, you, you know, I appreciate that, and uh, I appreciate your, you're always looking for stories uh, about justice. Um, Finding too many stories about injustice, but that's, yes, that's how that's how we rattle the cage, Roman. Yes, yes, yeah. 
Oh, oh my. Mm. And miss your sigh. Because the sigh oh. says a lot. Um, <laughs> the sigh is a healthy thing. You know, mm-hmm. one of the things I was I was explaining to someone about, the, especially the Adachi project, and we have a couple other films that have come out too. Mm-hmm. Um, one that just came out yesterday, um, which I can talk more about. But, yeah. you know, the, the, the subject matter is heavy. Mm-hmm. If you're not, you know, it, it is heavy. However, the ultimate goal is to grow compassion. Right, right. And, you know, we, uh, I'll just kind of be blanket about it, right? Society writes off, often writes off people who are, you know, either in jail, um, in prison, coming out of jail, coming out of prison, have a criminal background, right? Those are the folks who get written off a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I think just in, in society, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but the, what, we're, what we're doing with the Adachi project is, is bringing the work of public defense, which is getting in close, knowing who who these folks are, who our clients are, who their families are, what their community, what communities they come from, um, because we represent those. You know, we represent the actual humans in the room who are going to be potentially suffering the most consequences from the actions of the system that continuously dehumanizes people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, by, by looking at these kind of, we talk about the system as being, you know, this broken thing. Well, the system is doing as it was designed to do. Mm-hmm. But when we talk about the system, it's such this big, massive, cloudy idea. So with the Adachi project, we want to look at these micro realities. Mm-hmm. So yesterday, we our, our, the film we released is called From Inside, mm-hmm. and it's conversations with people in San Francisco County Jail. Again, incidentally, this all happened this year, but um, during the pandemic. So in those early days, the anxiety, the stress, the fear, the feeling dehumanized, the feeling oppressed, um, you know, these are the types of feelings that happen to people in jail, regardless of a pandemic. Yes. And then it's amplified by mm-hmm. this fear that they could pot- potentially die, right? right. That this being in jail, you know, whether you've, you, you might be in jail because you couldn't afford bail at the time, mm-hmm. right? So Like so many people. Right, like hundreds of people <sighs> are in jail before they're even brought to trial. So, right. you know, we, we, we like to say innocent until proven guilty, but one of the things that the, uh, one of the people in the film says, you know, you're, you're guilty and then you have to prove that you're innocent, mm-hmm. which is really more along the lines of how the system tends to work. Yes. Um, you know, and, and so we wanted to, to bring that experience out. And there's, it, it is done like a film um, in the sense that there's artistic graphics that are kind of distorted, kind of disorienting, trying to bring that experience of like the racing mind that someone would have um, being, you know, locked in that position. Um, and then the, the third film that we that we did is, um, I think it's a little bit more. It, it's 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 on a different tack than the other two. Um, and it's called Forty Four Years Later. Mm-hmm. And Roman, were you st- still at Mutiny when we were? Or were you there when we did that big um, and participated in the end mass incarceration project? We had all the letters and art on the walls from people yes 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 yeah and so around that time there were also um, hunger strikes 
mm-hmm. um, in prisons, like at Pelican Bay, there was a big hunger mm-hmm. strike. And so that was several years ago now. But one mm-hmm. of one of the people who um, was kind of a leader in, in the Pelican Bay hunger strike against solitary confinement, mm-hmm. his name is Paul Redd. Mm-hmm. Paul Redd um, was convicted of a very serious crime at age 19. Um, he, uh, there was, it, his trial lasted three days from jury selection to verdict mm. and sentencing. Um, it was based on the sole um, testimony of a co-defendant uh, who got a deal and ended up doing no jail time. Mm. And so Paul Red was sentenced to prison. Um, he spent the next 44 years in prison. Um, 30 of which he spent at very at various intervals um, in solitary confinement. Mm. This this remarkable human um, did not have his spirit crushed. He became a hospice worker. He mm. became an anti-violence mentor um, and and facilitator. Um, he became you know loved by 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 so many folks. Um, and he was one of the uh, people who stood up and was part of the hunger strikes um, and name, was part of the, the uh, landmark case that um, helped not end, but certainly revise the use of solitary confinement in California. Mm. Um, so um, there's basically anyone in prison who's not serving a life without parole, possibility of parole, um, there, there, there's law in California that makes people eligible um, to have their sentence reviewed. Um, and so it used to be that the uh, only the prisons could recommend folks um, for resentencing. Then a couple of years ago, California law changed and it also allowed district attorney offices to petition the court to, re- to hear uh, you know, to determine whether someone should be resentenced. And so um, we do have a progressive uh, district attorney. Um, Thank goodness. And, what's that? Thank goodness. We, we do, right. And, and, and mm-hmm. there's a lot of these things that parts of the system that I've learned about just yeah. being here for the past almost two years now. Wow. Um, that, that, you know, I would have <sighs> not understood prior. Right, um, right. And so... Um, because we have a progressive district attorney and this law exists, we at the public defender's office are, you know, um, able to help people file these petitions, mm-hmm. uh, complete their petitions to the district attorney. Yes. Right. Um, so that, um, in a very basic way, is kind of how Paul Red um, was able to have his. Uh, was able to have a resentencing hearing by the by the court, mm. um, and the, and then he was freed last May. Wow! So forty four years later is the film, and um, and it is mm. his first day mm. that he is free. And he, he his family has gathered. Um, his older brother, his little sister, mm. the the in laws, the ne- nephews, you know, who like know him but don't know him. Right, right. Um, and so we were able to kind of capture Whoa. that first day. Um, and I, 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 yeah, I mean, it's it's really powerful stuff. Um, yeah. You know, 
uh, I'm just so grateful for everyone who participates in it because it is really, um, it's, this is, this is, this work, I, I don't think, really think I have a, an adjective for it. Um, but all of these films are, are short, they're, you know, five, six, 11 minutes um, on wearedefender.com. Mm -hmm. So please check it out. There's, there's editorials that accompany each one of them as well. Mm. Um, folks from our office, um, and Paul Red also um, co-authored um, or authored part of the 44 Years Later editorial as well. Um, so you know, we 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 want to we want to open people's eyes and hearts and um, and try to push for changes in the system that are going to yes. be more humane and and more effective, right? Right, right. Mass incarceration hasn't made us any safer, oh, um, but it's destabilized. Oh. Yes. Um, millions of people across the country and millions right. of families across. Absolutely. I mean, it's the same conversation around with, you know, wanting to defund the police and like, why is all this money and the US military? It's like all this money goes into just causing great harm around the world. It's, I mean, it's so backwards. Yeah, absolutely. Right. We, when we know we can do things that are, you know, proactive, right. that's where we need to be investing um our time and resources right yes as opposed to being punitive right, uh, right. on the back end of things yeah if yeah if funding all these institutions were to make us safer we'd be the safest place in the world so clearly uh not working right so so that's that's a touch um of what our 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 city our, our public defender's office wow. Um, what we're doing, um, looking out for a community, and, uh, and and looking for you know for ways to improve public safety, mm -hmm. you know, um, and th and that means giving people more support, right, yes. on the front end, on the mid end, on the back end, whatever it may be, right, right, right. support and 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 letting people, uh, giving people opportunities to thrive is what's going to keep them safe, what's yes. going to keep everybody else safe. Yes, absolutely. That's that's my report. <laughs> oh, thank you so much, Val. I miss you. I miss seeing you at the station and I miss hearing your voice. So it's good I'm, to I reconnect. miss it too. I'm, thank you so much. This is a, an absolute pleasure to join you this afternoon. Uh, um, yeah, let's let's keep the connection strong. And indeed. now that we're slowly coming coming out of this pandemic a bit, uh, I'll I'll come back into the studio a little bit more and and not be so afraid afraid of the microphone. Oh, sure. <laughs> it's <all> very understandable. <laughs> cool. Well, thank you so much. Thank you, Roman. All right. So, big thank you to Valley Barra for calling in and sharing so much information um, from the San Francisco Public Defender's Office. Learned quite a bit. And as mentioned, we also have a webpage where we will have uh, links to uh, many of the uh, the films, upcoming event, and much more information and articles as well. Uh, that'll be coming up on weeklyrev.org later today. So I'm going to take a bit of a music break. I'm going to sort out some articles to share um, coming up next. So uh, yeah, please do stay tuned and we'll be back in a bit.
Monica. Monica. All right. So again, that was the band. That <laughs> this is the band called the Linda Lindas, and this is from a live performance at the LA Public at an LA Public Library, I should say. And I'm going to continue along. There's a lot of articles I wanted to share today, so we'll see what we can get to. And again, big thanks to Val um, for, uh, for calling in and having this uh, conversation uh, earlier this week. Uh, so informative, so thank you again. And uh, this next up comes, it's uh, similar to the conversation we're having about just where the funding goes in this country and how backwards it is. This is a statement from Code Pink, which is a great organization that folks can follow and support. Code Pink statement on the Biden administration's $753 billion proposed Pentagon budget for 2022. Ugh. I, I don't know where that noise came from, but sometimes, uh, I, I don't need, uh, uh, what, a, what a dumb world we live in sometimes. Anyway, let's see what's going on here. And uh, we'll also post a link to this article on our website. May 28th, 2021, Code Pink, a women-led peace organization, calls on Congress to reject President Biden's record-high full-year uh, 2022, I'm assuming that's what FY stands for, FY, 2022 military budget of $753 billion, a $11.3 billion increase over the Trump administration's previous spendthrift military budget in supporting a minimum 10% reduction in Pentagon spending. Pink noted the annual savings could eradicate hunger and homelessness each year in the United States. But why would we do that? Why would we, you know, want to ensure that everyone has housing and and food uh, if we can go bomb another country? God, so stupid. Okay. Anyway, going to get myself together here to the best of my ability. Whew. To spend nearly a trillion dollars to prepare for war pulls back the curtain on the Biden administration's professed interest in lifting people out of poverty, says Carly Town, Code Pink co-director. While millions of Americans are steeped in debt, living paycheck to paycheck, facing eviction, and struggling to pay medical bills amidst an ongoing health pandemic and recession, the administration hurls taxpayer dollars at an increasingly privatized for-profit war industry. Biden's budget includes upwards of $30 billion for new nuclear weapons slated to cost $1.7 trillion over the next decades, billions for the F-35 fighter jet, a boondoggle with an eventual $1 to $2 trillion price tag, $17.4 billion for an unnecessary space force that's so stupid. Oh, God, I'm gonna, I don't want to yell on the mic. I don't want to hurt your ears. However, it's so fucking stupid. Oh, my gosh. Okay. And at least $51.5 billion annually to maintain over 800 overseas bases and establish new ones in the Indo-Pacific, where the Biden administration's pivot to Asia sets us on a reckless and dangerous course toward war with China. So fucking stupid. Ugh. See, this is why I think I, I uh, <laughs> have to have uh, my own show here, is that if I were to work for a, a news agency... Uh, I would just have to swear too much and and call people uh, fucking war profiteers and war mongers and, and go fuck themselves. And I, you know, I mean, that's honestly what they are. Okay. President Biden's final Pentagon budget request uh, signals uh, alarming continuity with the Trump administration, which over the course of four years increased the Pentagon budget by $133 billion uh, with uh, bipartisan congressional approval. 
In light of the Biden administration's announcement that the United States will be withdrawing troops from Afghanistan by September 2021, the Pentagon budget should reflect a corresponding $50 billion reduction. Instead, Biden's proposed Pentagon budget of 753, uh, I'm guessing that, let me make sure I'm using the right uh, dollar amount, $753 billion would provide the Department of Defense and again, as I mentioned all the time, it used to be called the De Department of War. And they're like, oh, we need to sound nicer since we're out killing people. So let's um, uh, let's call us the Department of Defense so we can defend ourselves against uh, reality and um, kindness, I guess. I don't know. Think of all other synonyms with good things and uh, and defense, what defense could and should be. Okay, so da -da -da, with more money than the departments. Okay, so it's providing the Department of Defense with more money than the Departments of State justice, education, transportation, health and human services, and the EPA, Environmental Protection Agency, combined. <laughs> oh, God, it's so stupid. It's so stupid. Oh, my gosh. I mean, I have to laugh because it's terrifying and awful. At the same time that Biden is set to withdraw U.S. troops from, from Afghanistan, Biden and Congress are using China as a justification for this massive increase in military spending by framing China as a danger to the U.S. and its allies. I think the U.S. Is a, is a danger to itself and its allies, but that's my opinion. Biden's proposed Pentagon budget identifies China as a top challenge, that's in quotation marks, and Secretary of Defense Austin has stated China is our pacing, is our pacing threat? What? It's so fucking, st okay. I can't keep calling everything fucking stupid because eventually that's, I'm have to rename the show that. In reality, the inflated threat of China's military pales in comparison to the United States military. The U.S. has over 800 overseas military bases, hundreds of which surround the borders of China. China currently has only one official overseas military base uh, located in Djibouti. Djibouti. Uh, this same tactic of threat inflation led to the U.S.'s catastrophic invasion of Iraq in 2003. The consequences of that intervention were not only horrific overseas, but also proved deadly and harmful for Arab, Middle Eastern, Muslim, and Muslim-perceived communities, said Madison Tang, coordinator of Code Pink's China is Not Our Enemy campaign. Today, we are already seeing the consequences of this escalation of war with China in the form of xenophobic violence that targets Asians and Asian Americans of various ethnicities across the U.S. Anti-Asian violence has increased 194% in the first quarter of 2021 compared to 2020, according to the Center for the Study of Hate and Extremism. This pattern of heightened xenophobia and scapegoating for a minority group as a corollary to U.S. imperialist wars is not new and must be challenged. This push for rearmament, including hundreds of new land-based intercontinental ballistic missiles and submarine-mounted tactical nuclear weapons, comes amid concern the Biden administration's heated anti-China rhetoric and policies could plunge us into a nuclear war, said Marcy Winograd, coordinator of Code Pink Congress, a campaign to mobilize co-sponsors for progressive foreign policy legislation. There is no law of gravity, however, that compels President Biden, excuse me, um, but I would say that me burping on air is far less offensive than these fuckers trying to uh, raise the budget of the Pentagon. Okay, and that's my excuse. Okay, uh, da -da -da. there is no law of gravity, however, that compels President Biden or Congress to continue funding the drive for nuclear rearmament or global omnicide. Oh, I haven't seen that word before. Omnicide. Wow. 
at the end of the day, the federal budget is up to Congress to decide, not the president. We call on Congress to reduce the Pentagon budget by at least 10% and instead invest in what will truly make us safe, universal health care, good jobs, and addressing the climate crisis. Shouldn't be that difficult, but here we are. Act now. It's now more important than ever to contact your representatives, and they provide a link and send them the Code Pink Guide to Pentagon Budget Cuts to demand that they show their support to reduce the Pentagon's budget, the Pentagon budget, and invest in human needs. And they also have additional quotes and reaction on Biden's proposed Pentagon budget from the international community. The way the U.S. budget overemphasizes the military hurts the American people and the world. A tiny fraction of the money that President Biden is proposing for the military budget would save the lives of millions of children in Yemen. Wouldn't that be a better investment in the future than more bombs, warships, and nuclear weapons? That's from Aisha Juman, president of Yemen Relief and Reconstruction Foundation. This enormous Pentagon budget will only lead to more military conflicts, more bloodshed, more grief. We saw enough of that in Afghanistan for the last 20 years. It's time to invest in peace. And that's from Basir Bita, local activist in Kabul, Afghanistan. <sighs> there are many places where the U.S. could and should spend money, spend more money. At least it can start by paying for some of the huge damages it has caused to the people in this country and abroad in the last several centuries. Increasing the military budget, however, only makes everything worse. And that's Dr. Zhu, professor of economics at John Jay College, uh, CUNY, former professor of economics at Renmin University of China and Chinese citizen. An increase in the U.S. defense budget will mean the deployment and or testing of U.S. weapons in South Korea, which endangers the lives of res residents near U.S. bases. U.S. military buildup has led to a perpetual arms race, including nuclear weapons and nuclear threats in Northeast Asia. The deployment of the U.S. THAAD, T-H-A-A-D, missile defense system in South Korea in 2017 has raised tension in the region and is opposed by many South Koreans. Villagers near the new THAAD base have been protesting every day against the illegal deployment. I join in the call to the Biden administration to reduce the U.S. defense budget and invest in human security, withdraw attention raising weapons systems from Korea, and end the more than 70-year-old Korean War with a peace agreement. That's from Yu Kyung-ko, a consultant for Women's International League for Peace and Freedom, the WILPF, and women-led Korea Peace Now campaign, and a standing committee member of the Korea Peace Appeal campaign. Next, the U.S. military, excuse me, the I almost called it the U U.S. military states, and it's, we're kind of are. The United States military continues to negatively impact the lives of people who have never consented to the U.S. military presence, particularly in island nations in the Asia-Pacific region, such as Hawaii, Okinawa, and the Marianas. The military presence places the people of these nations in mortal danger of annihilation, as was demonstrated in 2018 via the false ballistic missile alert in Hawaii, proving that the U.S. military is incapable of protecting us. Furthermore, the military creates a burden in numerous other ways, such as through crime, pollution, and economic deprivation. And that is from Robert Kajiwara, founder of the Peace for Okinawa Coalition. Next. We, members of the International Women's Network Against Militarism, unequivocally oppose the proposed 
Biden Pentagon budget spending nearly 50% of the U.S. discretionary budget, more than the next 10 countries combined, demonstrates the destructive priorities of a society committed more to world military domination than care of its people and the natural environment. Increased militarization in the U.S. and abroad will only create more insecurities, fear, and destruction, both at home and abroad, especially in places of massive U.S. military presence, such as Okinawa and Guam. We urge the Biden-Harris administration to withdraw the current proposal and formulate one that will ensure full health care, quality education, and environmental protection. And that is from the International Women's Network Against Militarism. So, again, um, we'll be posting this article on our webpage at weeklyrev.org. And in the article, uh, there are links you can click on to uh, contact your representatives and send them the Code Pink Guide to Pentagon Budget Cuts. So I know this is like... Wow, this is there's a lot here, and also they provide action items that folks can take to to speak up and to contact representatives. And also, as a reminder, in this article, it was mentioned how bad the the military is for the environment, and it's the U.S. military is actually the number one uh, cause and harm for for the environment. So it's it's really it's just it's bad for everybody, for people, for animals, for nature, for the world. So it's silly that we have to keep on talking about this, and yet here we are. So I'll be providing a link to this article on our webpage. I'm going to rest uh, my voice just a bit. We do have a lot more to get to, though. And, oh my gosh, so much more to get to. But I did want to play a little bit more music. And uh, coming up, I also wanted just to share an, another upcoming event. And this is happening on Thursday, June 3rd, from noon to 3 p.m. Pacific time. This is an event, We Take Care of Us, a deep dive into the movement to decriminalize mental health and skin color. And this is from uh, KPFA and the Anti-Terror Police Project. I'll just read a little bit about this here and then take a break. Uh, join us on June 3rd for our first virtual regional summit, We Take Care of Us, a deep dive into the movement to decriminalize mental health and skin color. We'll spend an inspiring afternoon learning about how to build replicable and sustainable alternatives to police and prisons for mental health, and how we as a community can take care of each other in moments of crisis. So this was shared by the ABTB. You can follow them on Twitter at APTP Action. It's also on the KPFA website, and we'll provide a link to this as well on our site at weeklyrev.org. All right, I'm going to uh, play some more Linda Lindas for you all. Um, also, in the video, which we will also post a link to, um, they have an interview. So that's after the, the last song that we played. So I'm going to jump to their next song, which is called No Clue. And then uh, after a couple songs, we'll be back with some more news articles and information for you all. So please do stay tuned. No clue what's gonna happen. No clue why do we feel this way? We can't tell. Up, run down when everything goes sideways. No clue what's gonna happen. No clue who we are meant to be. We don't know where we're even headed. But I can't stop for me. I just wanna see. 
went to lockdown, a boy in my class came up to me that his dad told him to stay away from Chinese. After I told him that I was Chinese, Eloise and I wrote a song based on that experience. It's about him and all the other racist, sexist boys in this world.